Hi, you're listening to the Professional Speaks podcast with me, Craig McKellar, your host. As an ex-Big Four auditor for six years, I now run a specialist recruitment consultancy called McKellar Consulting. Throughout this podcast, I speak to senior leaders from the professional services community, past, present and future. These leaders work in accounting and finance, audit, tax, corporate finance, consulting, legal and investments. In the comfort of their own office, I will be posing questions to our guests to gain insights from them across a variety of topics, including balancing work and life, mental health and mindset, risk-taking and effective leadership. These insights will help us learn, be inspired, grow and ultimately succeed in what we want to achieve in our careers. Here's what's coming up on today's episode. Building those internal networks, that trust, um, that ability to to operate um, and be truthful and be honest with each other and be transparent is so important. Uh, It's so, so important. Again, I think referring it back to here, it's a relatively new exec team and uh, James Karim, Craig Robertson, who's our director of football operations uh, and myself. And we're all relatively new in role, in that particular type of role. But I think the the alignment that we have, the the honesty, the transparency that we have with each other, you're really beginning to see that um, reference itself in whether it's financial results, whether it's the kind of, um, to, to borrow a word I shouldn't use, but whether it's momentum in terms of how we're actually um, building as a football club at the moment. I think there's a lot of exciting things happening off the field. Uh, we're beginning to see... Um, see the performances on the field as well so I think there's a real um, a real good feeling around the place at the moment but that comes from alignment it comes from making sure that we're transparent and we're open and honest with each other. In this episode I'm joined by James Taylor Chief Financial Officer at Rangers Football Club. Topics discussed include his career which started out in professional services before an interesting path to CFO across a variety of sectors, the importance of upskilling in marketing and commerciality, building trust with senior leadership teams and achieving Rangers 2030 strategy. So James, for uh, listeners and, and viewers who maybe don't know, you're Chief Financial Officer here at Rangers Football Club um, and we're sitting in the hospitality Blue Sky Lounge looking over the, the pitch, um, which has a spectacular view, I have to say. Um, so thanks very much for being part of the podcast. No worries. And how are you doing today? Anyway, I know it's match day, it's midweek, so there's a match tonight, does that kind of change you know, maybe the atmosphere in, in, in the office, like when you come in on, on a match day? Yeah, and like first of all, uh, really pleased to to be part of the podcast and, and happy to, to have this conversation. I think from a, um, from a match day perspective, uh, there's a little bit more towards um, towards the end of the day in terms of having to go across and, and make sure that you're, you're meeting and greeting and, and doing the networking associated, but uh, on a day-to-day basis, certainly from a from a finance operations legal perspective, um, it's a it's a fairly fairly normal day. It's a little bit less hectic than last month mm-hmm. um, going through the transfer window, which I'm, yeah. I'm sure you can imagine. But um, I think from from our perspective, we were really pleased around uh, around how that ended up for us, uh, and and obviously kind of moving forward over the next kind of two to three to four months, uh, really continuing that. That path that we've set out from our uh, from our strategic objectives on a board level uh, and on a finance level, and every single day that we we come into the office, we're we're aiming to make things that wee bit better. So that's um, that continues no matter if it's a match day or not. Great, <laughs> um, and just kind of you know starting off with maybe your career and you know finance. 
Um, I know that you had a goal and a plan to get into the world of sport. Um, so could you just talk maybe a bit more about, you know, I think the influence of, of kind of family to give you that maybe ambition to get into the world of sport? Yeah, absolutely. And um, I think it was publicised at the time of, of my appointment. Uh, my father was David Taylor, so he was in the chief executive of the SFA between 99 and 2007. Uh, and then he was uh, the general secretary, effectively the CEO of UEFA between 2007-2009, uh, uh, becoming the chief executive of UEFA Events, uh, the, the organisation that runs um, European competition, so the Europa League, the Champions League, the UEFA Euro. Uh, he became chief executive of that uh, in 2009 uh, through to 2014. So I was very fortunate at a young age to be exposed to um, elite level sport, um, elite level sport business, if you will. Um, and and to be able to see uh, how that operated and, and how how he interacted uh, with those various different people that usually you would only see on the telly. Uh, so from my perspective, that kind of gave me a, a viewpoint in terms of what industry did I eventually want to end up into. Um, it was a long path. Uh, still, I continue. I'm learning every single day, uh, particularly when you shift industry. You always... Uh, it takes a little bit of time just to get yourself up to speed with various different seasonalities and, and, and whatever uh, that entails. Uh, but yeah, I think from, from an early age, I had a, I had a desire to, to move into football, uh, to move into sport more generally. Um, and, and luckily enough, I now find myself at a club like, club like this. And, and as you say, looking over the pitch today, uh, sunny day in Glasgow, which is a, a, a nice change, and um, I'm looking forward to the match tonight. Where hopefully, we could uh, hopefully we'll get a good result. Yeah, no, and um, so you've got that family influence, you know, to give you that ambition to get into the world of sport, and you know, more specifically into into football. Um, so maybe now talking to you know uh, listeners about about your career, about the journey. I think you you know you mentioned to me uh, previously <coughs> that. You've made some. You made some decisions, kind of purposely, um, to kind of get to a CFO role, to get to a senior role in the world of sport. Can maybe just go through some, some yeah. of your career. That'd be great. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, for obviously, from a finance background, um, so I qualified as a CA in Glasgow uh, at Haynes Watts, uh, as it was at the time. Uh, so that was around two thousand and five uh, to two thousand and eight um, in uh, St Vincent Street, so uh, fairly central in in town. And that was great, right? I mean, it gave me a, an understanding in terms of the um, the kind of building blocks, if you will, uh, of of how to how to operate uh, financially in terms of advising various different companies and various different clients, and and really kind of giving me that base level of knowledge. Uh, moving on from that, I did a little bit of corporate finance work at that time as well. So perhaps while I wanted to move into sport, uh, I've always had the opinion that being as general as you can for as long as you can is actually quite useful uh, and gives you that ability to hop off into a particular direction at, at, at the right time uh, and at the right opportunity. Uh, so I took a, a role, um, the first kind of move I made, I, I went to BDO uh, and that was uh, my first day at BDO actually was um, the uh, day when you saw everyone at Lehman Brothers walking out with, the, um, with their stuff uh, really right at the start of the financial crisis. Um, so obviously my first thought was I'm going to be first in, first out um, to, to borrow accounting parlance. Um, but luckily they, they saw that I wanted to, or certainly had projected that I wanted to, to build a career and, and, 
and move forward with with that organization and look i really enjoyed it there i made some great friends um a lot of whom i'm now beginning to catch up with now i'm back up in glasgow uh from being down south and and it was a fantastic time um following on from that and i actually got a phone call and it's one of these ones that you were always told at the time or for recruiters picking up the phone or for recruiters trying to contact you like oh there's another one actually one of the best the best decisions i ever made was to pick up the phone and have a conversation with a recruiter uh who was recruiting for um Bartley's capital uh down in down in london and for me at that time being from glasgow with the best one in the world uh do you want to work for an investment bank what's an investment bank talk me through that um so can i just ask on that sorry just yeah, yeah. interrupted so um you, it wasn't that you were looking no. you know so you just you got the call in and you thought well I'll just have a chat and then yeah. yeah. So my name would have appeared on, I mean, when you qualify as a CA, your name appears on various different lists. And I would imagine they were working down the list and they took some time to get to Taylor. Um, so eventually they picked up the phone and, and I said, do, do you want to come down? We're having this open day. Do you want to come down to London? And a couple of friends in London. So I thought, yeah, I can get a night out of it probably. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so I went down and, and listened to what they had to say. And it was a it was an ACA, as it is down, mm. down south, an ACA rotation program. So looking at um, various different uh, roles across finance, two-year rotation programme, one year in one role, one year in another. Um, and then at the end of that, if you're successful, then promoted and into a, into a permanent role. So for me, uh, I, got, I was lucky enough, went through the interview process, which was really, really interesting in terms of operating it just in a different environment and a different... Um, moving into that first step really into industry moving away from the advisory type role to the um to operating within a within a larger obviously organization and what that would entail so that that interview process was was challenging uh it was interesting and, and at the end of it i was lucky enough to to be offered a role um so i was offered a role and i was actually offered my first choice which was to work in uh, financial planning and analysis in uh in the finance team that was that was very very close to some of the senior individuals within Bartley's Capital so that was 2010 so at the time you had your Bob Diamonds your Jerry Domessier your Rich Riches Patrick Claxon was a CFO um and the exposure that I had to those individuals the the materials the presentations the the fact that you had to try and make sense of numbers rather than just report numbers was actually quite interesting to me so it gave me it gave me a skills that I would like to think I still use today around how do you communicate financial performance in a in a more kind of digestible manner, not necessarily just to finance people, but also to our chief executives of of businesses that you're advising, but also to a kind of wider um, a wider audience, uh, which is where a lot of the investor relations work came in. Uh, so that was uh, I, I really enjoyed that role, and actually that was the first time that I thought, you know what, there's a uh, there's a career in finance here that or there's a path in finance here that I can actually follow that I probably add up quite a lot of value to. Whereas before, um, there were probably a number of roles that I, that I undertook, whether it was audit um, and, and what have you, that, look, there was people better than me at that, like 100%. And I think it's important that at times you can you can recognise that and you can recognise that if that isn't a particular skill set that, that is suited to you, then that's okay. Like, that, that's not a problem. So sometimes you, to make sure that you make that, that step um, or that or take that opportunity that presents itself I think it's always important to to give yourself options uh, at any stage in your career so I did that uh, that was FP&A for a year loved it I, I really really that first year in London was absolutely fantastic 
and moved into a second role in product control, uh, emerging markets product control, which is effectively dealing a lot more with the trading floor. So different skill set. You have to be able to speak to different individuals. You have to be able to take some back, frankly, uh, mm-hmm. on more than one occasion um, when perhaps their numbers didn't agree to yours. So there was, um, it was challenging. It was a bit more technical uh, in terms of the, the day-to-day, uh, which again, coming back to the audit versus FP&A conversation, was probably um, a little closer to the audit world than the FP&A world, mm-hmm. um, which was maybe not well suited to me uh, at that time. Uh, but what I did get out of it was the opportunity to go to Singapore. So I was working in Singapore for uh, best part of two to three months, um, where uh, there was a big massive migration project from London uh, to Singapore on uh, on a number of these books. Um, so uh, in terms of a life experience, uh, absolutely fantastic. Um, in terms of the the working hours, maybe a little bit more challenging, um, but certainly um, I wouldn't I wouldn't swap that for the world. Uh, so that was the the first couple well, of years there. Thinking back to maybe your time in Singapore, you know, yeah, it sounds amazing, like uh, amazing experience. You know, what maybe some of the key things you, you learned from that? You know, that's you know, was it building relationships with with people in a place that didn't have a network or was it, was it something? Yeah, like? that's a really good point. So I think first and foremost, particularly when you're, I mean, it's the same sort of thing, I guess, when I moved to London. So I, I was lucky in that when I went to Singapore, that was about 18 months after I was in London. So I ha- when I moved to London, the first thing you do is you try and build out that network. Now, again, that AC irritation group, there was 10 to 15 people on it. So that gave you a, an immediate network that was ha- helpful, absolutely. But again, coming back to sport, um, playing football, playing fives, playing elevens, whatever it would be, um, massively helps you build out that um, that friendship group, that network group. And look, I'm still in contact with the majority of the guys I met in 2010 today. Um, so we'll go away on a weekend together or what have you. And um, so the, there's still that, that relationship and those bonds are strong uh, because everyone's in the same position because London tends to attract people from all over uh, the country. So that, that mix, um, that ability, everyone's really in the same position, which is actually super useful because you get to meet different people and the diversity that's down there is absolutely fantastic. Like, I love the, love the cities, one of the best cities in the world. Um, when you move to Singapore, in terms of that, yeah, it was a shorter time frame, but the same principles broadly apply. Strong expat community there. How do you tap into that? Be open to it. Mm-hmm. Um, make sure that you, um, you take opportunities that, that present themselves, whether it's a, a dinner, um, whether it's a few drinks, whether it's um, going and watching at that time the F1, going and watching the F1, whatever it is, make sure that you're available for it because these massive cities, whether it's London, Singapore, um, they can be quite lonely at times if you don't yeah. uh, sort of push yourself out there and really kind of present yourself to to others to to go and and make those friends make those networks and so yeah that was one of the first things in terms of making sure that you had that um that experience and those experiences second thing is around adaptability i guess uh the very different way of working um very different way of of working with individuals and 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 how the hierarchies work perhaps in in that culture versus the culture that that we have here in in the uk so there was absolute differences there that you have to adapt to and you have to work with and work and and work alongside and i think that was that was interesting to me in terms of expectation levels like people were expected to be in the office until nine ten o'clock at night mm. and perhaps maybe that wasn't the case in in the uk so i think making sure that there's a um an understanding on how that um how that kind of culture interacts with the culture you've got 
from from where you're originally come from. I think that's that's super important as well. So it was it was a really kind of that together with London, that kind of twenty ten to twenty twelve period really kind of forms a forms a worldview, I guess. So that's you've gone to Singapore for those couple of months and then back to London because you stayed there for several years, didn't you? So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I was in London until um, the lockdown, really. Uh, so from there, I moved on to... Um, so within Bartley's Capital, did another couple of years in the planning world in Bartley's Capital, moved to uh, Bartley's Group. So working in the, the strategy uh, team, uh, strategy projects team with a number of... Um, uh, individuals. Um, so Hamil Makwana, who's now um, very, very senior within FIS, uh, Worldpay. Uh, so there's a number of, um, of strong people in those um, in that team, and I think again that was a that was a good one for me to get more of a kind of broader view. But I was still operating and facing off really to various different finance teams. So to, coming back to the original point, how do you make these moves to move into sport? When an opportunity presents itself, kind of I was weighing up the the merits or otherwise so when i moved to the strategy team within barclays mm-hmm. i'd moved from kind of investor relations to kind of business planning if you will it's not a big leap to go into strategy from that that standpoint so working in a strategy team knowing that as you kind of want to move more senior within an organization to understand the various different building blocks around what makes organizations successful so that to me was important and then an offer came um, from Vocalink, uh, as it was. There, it was a um, startup, effectively a corporate startup within Vocalink. It's called Zap. It became known as Pay by Bank App. Um, and I joined that effectively as the commercial finance uh, partner, uh, if you will, building the business cases, understanding the building blocks, understanding the commercials. And that role allowed me to actually speak to people outside of finance. So whether it was going to banks and building business cases with banks, whether it was going to uh, acquirers, merchants, whoever it may be in the payment ecosystem and building out that that ability to talk commercially with other third parties. And that's not something necessarily that, that you had to do. I was doing a lot of reporting, a lot of analysis, a lot of here's the, the value add that, that finance can bring, but it wasn't necessarily helping to build the business and I think that's where where Volkline PBBA um, PBBA helped so I was a couple of years in there and um, the MasterCard uh, came came so, looking so just on that but yeah. so, so that commercial aspect of that role did you see that as any tough skill in this area if I want to get into the world of sport because there's a lot of commerciality obviously yeah so is that your Thought or yeah, and again, like taking it back to to my father's position in um, in the SFA and in UEFA, his background initially was legal, um, but there was a little bit of marketing in there as well. Um, so a bit like myself, I think he thought he was a bit of a frustrated marketeer. I think I think that as well at times. Um, and the commercial and marketing angle within sport is so important. Um, The commercial, um, I mean, if you look at Rangers as a football club, the commercial performance in the last four or five years has been outstanding. And James Bisgrove, now chief executive, was chief commercial officer through that period of time. Um, So James has now become the chief exec. Kiran Varani has come in as the uh, chief commercial officer at West Ham. And we're continuing that growth. And and that, that ability to to build the business, build the revenue line of the business is, is so, so important. And I didn't really have that. Uh, I didn't really have the, the wasn't involved in the negotiator, because if you're in Barclays, you're, as I say, you're facing off to various different um, finance teams. 
Whereas in Vocalink and in, uh, ultimately in MasterCard as well, you're facing off in commercial negotiations. Mm -hmm. So, okay, if I give you this, what do I get in return? Blah, blah, blah. So it's the the intricacies of those negotiations I wasn't part of, but I knew I needed an element of that to be able to to add value in a, in a sporting industry or, or in, a, in a football club in this instance. So for me, the, the commercial side, the marketing mm -hmm. side was something that I needed to build out and the marketing side became more important. So commercially, I thought, right, I'll, I'll move to Volklang, I'll, I'll work through this. So there was a little bit of M&A involved as well uh, when we sold into MasterCard, which was useful. Um, useful for my, my previous role, but from a finance perspective, certainly at a CFO level, you want to be able to to support influence uh, decisions around corporate structure, around any M&A activity that you feel is necessary, less so in a sporting world, obviously, but certainly um, certainly in other, other um, business lines. So that was useful for me. And at that point, I was made when Mastercard um, acquired Vocalink. Uh, effectively, became a finance director within Mastercard, looking after the the um, pay by bank type um, product set. Uh, and I had a decision to make. Uh, so uh, a company called YoYo, which, if you've ever used the Caffeinero app, they're the ones who effectively built it and built the loyalty oh, scheme. Oh, and, Thanks, Stephen. Oh. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. So um, they built the um, the the payment app and the and the loyalty scheme around that and the uh so so that role came up effectively as uh, i think it was vp of finance at the time and it was an opportunity to go out and and do it yourself like put your money where your mouth is so to speak can you operate at that level can you operate a finance function um at that level um so there's a there's a question as to whether um you got to you got to take that step because uh, if you never take that step then you never know, right? Yeah. And I could have fallen flat on my face. Um, but luckily, uh, the the performance was okay and, and, and we ended up moving forward as an organization. So six months into that, um, we had the conversation around um, around the next round of fundraising. So at that point, we had a CEO, we had a CCO, uh, we had a CTO, Chief Technology Officer. Um, we had a Chief, operate, uh, Chief Operating Officer as well but we had a VP of finance. So my point to Michael, um, Michael's still a very close friend, my point to Michael was, well, you've got these four, like if I'm an investor, I think you probably need a CFO as well. Like that might be me, that might not be me. Um, but just saying, like if I'm looking from the outside then, I think you need a CFO. And um, yeah, it worked. So, uh, <laughs> so I ended up, um, so. There's a good lesson in that as well, you know, to have, Good relationships first, right, with who you're yeah. working with to be able to have conversations exactly. like that to, to help your career and not from a, you know, a bad place, you know, you're, you're being serious in what you're saying and then that's been yeah, the same light. 100% and, and it's building those relationships. I think you've hit on a really good point there as well that in every single one of these roles, the only way that you succeed, in my view, and the only way that you can continually move forward and, and, and take the opportunity to move into different different roles and be successful in those processes is by having a really, really, really strong, um, whether it's direct line manager, whether it's um, relationship with the board, whether it's relationship with the exec, peer group, um, one level above peer group, however it is, but building those internal networks, that trust, um, that ability to to operate um, and be truthful and be honest with each yeah. other and be transparent is so important. Uh, it's so, so important. And again, I think referring it back to here it's a relatively new exec team and uh james karim craig robertson who's our director of football operations uh, and myself 
and we're all relatively new in role in that particular type of role. But I think the the alignment that we have, the the honesty, the transparency that we have with each other, you're really beginning to see that um, reference itself in whether it's financial results, whether it's the kind of um, to, to borrow a word I shouldn't use, but whether it's momentum in terms of how we're actually um, building as a football club at the moment. I think there's a lot of exciting things happening off the field. Uh, we're beginning to see um, see the performances on the field as well. So I think there's a real um, a real good feeling around the place at the moment. But that comes from alignment. It comes from making sure that we're transparent and we're open and honest with each other. And I think, again, as you as I move through uh, my career to date, I think it's been very very important that you you build that uh, that rapport. You build those relationships. Um, and that can support you as you go through. So to your point around Michael, so when I had that conversation, probably six, seven months in, um, but we engendered that kind of trust element in terms of, look, I'll back you, I'll support you, um, and here's why I think you should do this. And and, it, and if you've done that right, then you, you'll listen or she'll listen. And I think that's a... Um, that's a really good point, actually, in terms of how you build those relationships internally. So that was that was Yo-Yo. Um, so Yo-Yo went on, and um, that was uh, that was interesting um, as we as we moved through sort of the challenging times into into COVID. Um, so COVID hit. Uh, we were in the process of um, doing an acquisition on on a business, and at the same time, looking to to sell the wider group into a into a, a holding entity um so it was a quite a complex transaction um fca approval the whole the whole fun and games um and we managed to, to execute on that uh through kind of mid 2020 as we executed on that we then had um in uh so we got to a point where the option was either to stay with the new whole code but effectively stay as cfo of a um one of the kind of three um business units if you will within that whole co which would have been a little different to the step which was step out um step out on your own so i think for me the the decision was then do i want to continue there or do i want to see if there's anything closer to home we'd bought a house in glasgow um a year or so beforehand and um there was a role that came up uh, at a company in edinburgh called zonal uh, so they kind of hospitality tech provider um and in terms of that was my last move prior to Rangers. And and for me, the the decision there, so as I say, step out on your own, own it, be at the sea level was the was the kind of MO at, at Yo-Yo. And as I said, from a Yo-Yo perspective, one other thing I guess to mention there, why Yo-Yo? Loyalty marketing. Mm-hmm. So we touched the commercial angle on Vocalink and MasterCard. In terms of the marketing angle and really understanding that kind of, how do you deliver that kind of marketing um, experience i guess into your into your um into your cv that was a big one for me and then zonal is kind of combining a lot of the different elements so there was a tech element there was a um payments element there was uh obviously the exec element in terms of uh in terms of operating that it was back up in glasgow um and there was a little bit of m it was a it was a real kind of decent large-scale business with a lot of good people in it been around for 40 plus years um, and and it was in kind of hospitality. Mm-hmm. So if you think around the various different aspects, we're sitting now in the um, Blue Sky Lounge Ibrox restaurant. Uh, as you said, the ho- hospitality suite for the game, hospitality and sport, 
it's not a big it's not a big jump. Um, so going from the CFO of Zonal to CFO of Rangers in terms of the understanding of that commercial hospitality type environment, which is core to um, core to the football club and core to how we deliver for our supporters and and our um, and our stakeholders, then that for me was a was a quite a small jump. Um, so yeah, the role the role came up at, at Rangers and I. Uh, I guess like when when an opportunity like this comes up, then you have to you have to throw your hat in the ring. Particularly as I say, if I've kind of built up various different angles to to hopefully move into that space. And with the family background, I felt that I was probably quite a strong mm-hmm. strong candidate for the role. And thankfully, that that, that proved to be the case. Yeah. So um, this is just the third CFO role. Is that is that right? And um, so for people that are listening that are earlier on in their career in, in finance and got aspirations to be a CFO, there's lots of helpful, helpful insights that you've just shared. Um, some of the differences, what are some of the differences when you get to that level, you know, uh, come, coming to mind would be the interaction with, with boards perhaps, but and you can talk about that, um, but other other aspects as well that, that people should think about when they get to CFO that they could maybe try and upskill in at the moment that would help them. Yeah, and I think... So I mentioned adaptability early on uh, with regards to one of the experiences from Singapore. So I think that was super important. Uh, I think it's super important in any role, but particularly when you're, um, when ultimately you're one of the key decision makers in any any organisation, the the responsibility kind of lies with you, uh, yourself, chief exec, the rest of the exec team, the rest of the board, but, but you are the one that's ultimately responsible for the financial performance of the organisation. So... For me, it's about making sure that while you take on that um, that ownership mm-hmm. early on, certainly my first couple, maybe my first CFO role, certainly um, the stress level goes like that, like to to another level. Because if you don't, if you don't do what you need to do, then people's jobs are at risk, right? So that that is quite a big responsibility, and and that's something that that certainly you don't take lightly. And and I think making sure that. That, that message can get across to the rest of the business so the communication aspect is, is really important I mentioned before around building those those relationships whether it be with the exec whether it be with the board is really really important continues to be important uh, something that I think here at Rangers we've got a really really supportive board um, of the exec but also of the wider football club uh, which is which is great right and it makes it makes us that alignment and gaining that alignment and gaining that support really really um Really, it really helps us as an exec team and, and helps us bring the move the club into into the right direction. So, building those those relationships, ensuring that communication is strong. You, again, for, as a CFO, um, so the three different kind of governance structures. It was PEVC with YoYo. So there's a when am I getting my return? When am I getting my return? Um, do I have to put more money in? When am I getting my return? That tends to be the the MO, which absolutely is is understandable. Um, in Zono, it was a family business, um, so there was much there was much more of a kind of centralisation of um, of decision making with the family. Uh, so therefore, the the relationship structure and managing those relationships and how you communicate to to those individuals is is slightly different uh, because it's not about how do I get a return in two years? It's about how do I build a company for thirty years? Yeah. Uh, so it's a very very different. Uh, mentality and, and, and way of which is really interesting in terms of as a finance person mm-hmm. we're not looking at the short term quick fix we're looking at how do we build a, uh, a path over time 
understanding how to communicate because you have to communicate one way with PCVE, mm-hmm. probably more forthright, more direct. And you have to make sure that you've got that um, that rapport and that understanding uh, with the with the business, um, with the the family and the decision makers uh, in a family business. And then at Rangers, the way that we interact with the board now is again that way of that culture of transparency, that culture of being open. Like if there are any challenges that we have as a football club or we have as a business per se outside the Rangers, if there are any challenges, let's get them on the table. Because yeah. if you get them on the table, then you can discuss them. Mm-hmm. Whereas if you're coming up through it and you see multiple examples of it, um, when you have a wider finance team or you've operated in a finance team and maybe somebody's not wanting to break some bad news, like that can't happen. Like if we if nobody knows the problem. We can't fix the problem. So the biggest thing, certainly from my perspective, is how do you how do you increase that transparency through the team, through the business, um, so that we can at least have the the opportunity to make things better. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think that again, whether that's communication, adaptability, um, accountability, mm-hmm. uh, obviously in terms of as I said right at the start, it's on you. Uh, it's not on somebody else it's not okay maybe if if this person does their job then it'll be okay no it's on you um and some people embrace that some people like that um some people find it find it challenging the past experiences you've had probably set you up well for that culture here you know in terms of openness and and transparency to talk about about things you know i guess that can be a big challenge in a cfo role if there's not that transparency there's not that that culture yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, again, I think for from my perspective, I've been fortunate in that um, every role that I've operated uh, as a CFO so far, the, um, the as you say, the culture, the transparency has been strong. Um, I've spoken to obviously um, a number of my peer group are in various different CFO roles in in different um, different businesses, and and I've seen some challenges. I've seen some horror stories coming from from there, and. I think for for me again, it's about how do you how do you make yourself accessible? How do you make sure that people feel that they can tell you something? Because it's not it's not the end of the world, right? We'll we'll find a solution. And I think the there are times when perhaps certainly people that maybe in businesses that either I've operated in the past or otherwise that maybe there's a little bit of a fear factor, mm-hmm. um, and you can't have that. Like you need that, you need that openness to be and able of, to, to fix things. Yeah, and of course, big difference with football club is you know a lot of your, your stakeholders um, are are coming here on match day. So today's a match day. So if, you know, if listeners hear some noise of, back, of doors banging, that's because they're getting set up for their hospitality tonight. Um, you know, there's I guess a lot of openness and transparency just looking out out there, isn't there? Where where fans, you know, yeah. whether they're unhappy or they're happy. The board, the exec team will, will get a good feeling for that as well. Absolutely, and and I think the interesting thing and the really it's actually a really helpful thing from a football club perspective is you get direct feedback, yeah. and you get direct feedback certainly every second Saturday, if not every Saturday. And if you look at any business, it has a series of stakeholders. Mm-hmm. Right? So as it has whether it's government, regulator, uh, board, um, there's there's a number of different um, stakeholders for any organisation. In a football club, the biggest single stakeholder and most important stakeholder is the supporters. Mm-hmm. So how do we, and that's going to be a core part of our um, Rangers 2030 strategy, uh, which we're just uh, finalising out, and supporters is a key pillar of that. And, mm-hmm. and for us, 
uh, as a football club, as an executive team, as a, as the board uh, as well, we recognise that that is what why what we're trying to do here. We're trying to create a successful winning Rangers. Mm-hmm. So if we create a successful winning Rangers, then and play good football in the park, then again that that creates that that good feeling that creates that positive feedback and that for me is is ultimately what we're we're trying to achieve so from a finance perspective if i'm looking at um the financial performance of the organization how can i maximize the impact that we can get to the first team to the women's first team to to ensure that um we have as i say the best possible team we can get on the football park on a saturday or a sunday or whenever the games are these days but um, that for me is 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 the why um, from an executive perspective, from a uh, from a board perspective, and look, I think we're moving in the right direction on that one. Now, a football club is you know it's got some obvious differences to other clubs, other companies in terms of you know you've got people, players, and in, 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 in your P and Ls affected by the performance of them, and obviously you can't control them. You know, you can't you can influence, but you can't control them in terms of their attitude and uh, or if they get injured or or, or whatever um coming back into the finance department though is it is it would you say it's quite it is pretty similar to any other organization in terms of the companies it has or is there any slight yeah. differences <coughs> no i think like i think finance as a whole is quite a transferable skill set mm-hmm. um there's nuances, absolutely. There's there's things that you have to learn about particular industries. So sports, seasonality of uh, sports. So season tickets come in, and, and how do we manage through the the season and um, and make sure that the working capital position is 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 good throughout the year. I think is always is something that every football club you see a lot of uh, loans with um, obligations in January. Mm-hmm. Again, that's part of the part of the reason behind that. So I think for for any football club being really on top of where we are uh, from a working capital standpoint is, is super important, which to be fair is the same in any business. Yeah. I mean, I, one of the things that's quite interesting for me anyway as a CFO is while you're involved in the strategic direction and, and, and delivering the strategic direction of, in this case, the football club or in other cases, the company, cash remains king, mm-hmm. right? Um, that has to be something that, that you're always focused on that you continue keeping an eye on every single week. And then as you say, the supporters. So I think one of the, the key things in sport, but probably exacerbated at a club like this, mm-hmm. is the loyal nature of the fan base mm-hmm. in that the they back the team home and away. You go away to Dundee, uh-huh. you go away to um, to Hibs, wherever it may be, and they fill the stand. Um, if you go to, um, if you look at the game tonight, will be a sellout tonight European European, uh, absolutely and I think for me that that loyalty is not something that we can ever take for granted we always need to make sure that we're we're providing um, the best possible product on the park uh, as I said but but equally for us as a football club we're continuing to make that experience better for the supporters and again one of the uh, investments we've recently made is the is the Ibrox restaurant here Blue Sky Lounge on a match day and and that is that's an investment in in the experience, uh, and I think for us, what does that match day experience look like for supporters that come here? So yes, it's about how do we deliver on the park. Mm-hmm. It's also about how do we deliver those memories for the supporters moving forward. And if we can combine those two, then I think we're in a pretty good place. Absolutely. And just as we're approaching the end, I wanted to touch on you know a new manager came in kind of quite soon after you you started. That that must have been 
kind of a first experience, you know, going to World of Sport and, and, and maybe, you know, your trips up to the training ground and stuff is maybe things you haven't done done before. Has that been all quite enjoyable for you? Yeah, look, I mean, uh, uh, harking right back to the start, I think the, why do you want to work in sport? Mm-hmm. Um, so look, I'm a football fan. I've been a football fan since, um, since I could stand up. Um, I've gone to more football games than I could, could count. Um, and even in London, you were going to. Keep even in London, <laughs> yeah, yeah, Brentford. Um, so unfortunately, I didn't get a good result last night, but uh, still hopeful we'll we'll stay up. But um, I think the 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 thing for me, it's exciting. Yeah. Like if you work in an organisation like this, every day is exciting. Mm-hmm. Um, you're dealing with elite level sport elite level support uh, supporters elite level players elite level manager um, and like what's not to like about that yeah. you, you come in every day if you go to uh, the training ground and um, and just see how 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 that kind of operation delivers mm-hmm. it's fascinating uh, and it's a it's a real eye opener you're only as good as your your last result and, and I think for us as a football club uh, making sure that we we maintain the positivity that we've had in the last um, the last few weeks, the last few months, is super important. Mm-hmm. Uh, the manager you referenced has come in and has done a fantastic job. Has done a fantastic job and and has really kind of galvanised uh, the club and 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 the supporter base and the players and and you're seeing that mm-hmm. in the results. Um, and I think for us, uh, we want to continue that. There will likely be blips along the way, of course there will. Um, but for us, uh, if we can kind of continue focusing on what what we want for this football club, how we want to deliver uh, trophies and, and, and continue to kind of push forward, then, look, I think the, the the start the manager has made has been absolutely outstanding. So it's been um, it's been a pleasure so far. And um, and look, as I say, what's not to like? You come in every day and you've, you're not working in a stadium yeah. like this and it's, um, it's fascinating. So, yeah, uh, it's been not a bad journey so far. Yeah, good start. <laughs> yeah. Um, and, and yeah, just I like to ask um, guests, uh, you know, thinking of the next twelve months ahead as well. Um, are there any personal goals you have, or any professional goals you have, or combination of the two? Yeah, look, I think I'm, I'm still relatively new in role here, so four or five months in the um, in the organisation. I think again, um, while we've built that kind of as an exec team, built that alignment, built that trust, that transparency, um, that momentum moving forward. I think we need to double down on that. Uh, and again, from my perspective, making sure that um, I can support that business growth as best I can. So probably within the next three or four months, really adding that value and and, and making a, a tangible difference in terms of whether that be internal processes, whether that be um, delivering uh, reporting, whether that uh, be supporting the um, the football department around our, um, their player trading over the summer player trading model is obviously something that's super important to a club like ourselves mm-hmm. uh, so again that that to me is where we can really start adding a lot of value as a finance function and um, it will take a it takes a wee bit of time to build these things out but I'm pretty confident we're on the right path um, and I'm pretty confident as a football club um, we're on the right path in, in terms of um, certainly the next few seasons and and, um, and ensuring that we can uh, we can get back to being the dominant club in Scotland. Absolutely. Great. Well, no, thanks very much for your time, James. No I really, really appreciate it. Likewise. Appreciate that. Thanks. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Professional Speaks podcast. This podcast was produced by Springwood Studio Productions. Remember, you can watch the episode recording on our YouTube channel 
And if you can, please do subscribe and share with all of your friends. The more people who listen to this, the more guests we can have on to share so that you can learn, be inspired, grow, and ultimately succeed in what you want to achieve in your career. Please also contact me if you have any feedback on this episode. I'd love to hear from you.